Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join with me are my co-host, Joseph. Hello. And Jay here. Man, I loved your enthusiasm on that intro. I, was, I really feel like it set the tone for the rest of the thing. I don't know where I was when I started, but I'm, I'm jazzed now. <laughs> I do my part. I don't know why, like, mid-sentence, it, it just it cracked me up that we're still doing this. Like, it just was just funny to me that that's still our intro and this is the <laughs> thing we've been doing. <laughs> we still don't know very much. Yeah, that's <laughs> very true. Uh, but we're talking about Harry Potter again. Uh, week two, parts five through seven, part two. If you the David up, Yates collection correct. is what I would call it. I would. Uh, if you want to catch up on the first four that came out the previous week, Harry Potter and what did I call it? Harry Potter and the first four movies, maybe? But we do something like that. One, yeah. one through four of the previous weeks. So check out that episode if you want to start from the beginning. So we're recording this on Tuesday, August 25th, which in the books is the day Victor Crumb catches the snitch and ends the Quidditch World Cup, the 1994 Quidditch World Cup. Just <laughs> in case anyone's curious. It's <laughs> good to know. It would be better if we were doing Goblet of Fire this week, but, but we did it last not. week. We did. So, uh, so I, do we want to say like general opinions about these as a whole, or do we want to go straight into film by film? Because these have a, a similar aesthetic because they're made by the same people across all four films. Definitely, yeah, this is a more even keel. Yeah, yeah. did David yeah. take all four of these? He did. Yeah. Holy shit! Okay, I didn't know that. Um, but, I don't know what else he's directed, but he's made six movies in the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> I will say, I feel like each one gets progressively darker. I mean, I have a pretty bright TV, and by the last two, I'm like, is, what the fuck is going on in this scene? Yeah, they are pretty dark films. And the uh, number six has like a weird old-timey filter on it the whole time. Yeah. Oh, uh, we, but, didn't talk, I mean, we, didn't, we didn't talk about the fact that The Goblet of Fire was, was filmed in The Matrix. Fuck. What? I feel what? like I feel like the whole a Goblet of Fire movie is tinted in green. There, yeah, you know what? There is a green tone to it. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So I guess we'll start with Order of the Phoenix, uh, Harry Potter and the Angsty Harry Potter. I was about to say. Okay. So, so I want to venture a guess. So, follow on from our last podcast. Uh, you know, you you and I, Christian, agreed that the Goblet of Fire is the worst of the eight, but Hurt disagreed. This is my posited guess on what he thinks is the worst one. You Can I make a guess? I'm going to make a guess before you answer, Jehu. Okay. I think, I think number six is your least favorite. Don't, don't tell us which one it is. Just tell us whether it's this one. Okay. This one is not only not my least favorite, it's my favorite one. Fuck! I'm way off. You're I don't know so you at all. We are not friends. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of this one because I can't stand Harry in this book. Uh, or in this film, but I do like two things about it. I actually think this movie is better than the book. Um, I think there's, I think they trim the fat real well. It's a real freaking long book. I think they get the nitty gritty, what they need to hit. They do it well. The number, the second thing is, and Jay, you kind of hinted at this last time, is I think there was a critique in the Harry Potter books that'd be like, if Dumbledore would just tell Harry what's going on, everything would be fine. And so that's the whole plot of this movie is right. Dumbledore doesn't tell Harry and nothing is fine. And he finally learns that lesson. Right. That's true. That's very true. Like it's very self-aware of the critiques that it has been made about it. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because I also remember this is the last book that I read uh, because spoiler alert, this is the one where Sirius dies. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I felt the same way when I read the book. I felt like it was such a dramatic tonal shift for t- for Harry in this book, like, you know, personality-wise. And then he just really annoyed me the first time I watched the movie when I was younger uh, because he's just, like, so ridiculously pubescently angry. And I get that, like, <laughs> this whole book is, like, you know, the thin metaphor for, for Harry's Voldemort connection and whatever is that, you know, pubescent shift. Uh, that's very much what J.K. Rowling is going for. That said, re-watching it, I feel like he was a lot more like, I, I feel like he was justified in being more angry earlier. This is just, I think he's well over two at this point for the amount of shit that people like <laughs> trying to try to cut him out of despite the fact that Voldemort has personally tried to attack him every fucking year he goes to Hogwarts. Yeah, he's kind of insufferable in this, but I mean, realistically, he has a pretty good reason to be such a dick. I think yeah, so too. <laughs> If I had one like big critique on this movie from like book to film adaptation is it doesn't set up the Neville stuff like at all. And uh, I feel like that's a really important part of the book and it makes Neville a really great and interesting character and also sets him up for what he will do later on in the story. And the film's just decided that wasn't important and doesn't address it at all. Right. You totally get the payoff without getting the setup. So you only know it's cool if you've read the books. Correct. Yep. Yeah, I, I wish I had Val on here just to, to verify, but, you know, I was watching all eight films. She wasn't watching them with me, but she lives in the same house, so incidentally, mm-hmm. she was watching some of them, uh, but I think she could attest that at least at least every movie that Neville was in, I'd turn to her and be like, you know, Neville's the chosen one, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I don't know if you guys have ever been to the Tokyo in Nine Mile, but there's a dude that's worked there for like 20 years that looks just like Neville Longbottom. Shout really? out to that guy. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I don't have many other thoughts on this one other than, you know, it's sad to see Gary Oldman go. For sure. But man, I- was he dressed so great. Oh, he's true. so fine in it. He looks so fucking cool in this. That's one of the reasons why I've uh, why this one's one of my favorites. Gary Oldman's outfit. Uh, he just looks so <laughs> fucking cool in this. That's legit. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, you know, it's better than Transformers. Yeah, I want, I want to do a quick throwback to a Prisoner of Azkaban because I forgot to mention it. Uh, they do a dramatic makeup shift mid-scene from uh, when, when there's the confrontation in the Shrieking Shack. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Uh, they, yeah, yeah, totally. They, they make, you know, he's supposed to be the bad guy. You think he's the bad guy in the, that whole book movie. Um, and so in that scene, like, he looks like he's fucking a dead man walking. Right. Um, and then, like, the moment the Peter Pettigrew turn happens, he just looks like, you know, happy little Uncle Serious. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, fuck. Did he, like, wash all that shit off? I don't know. I try to follow along every time Sirius is on if all his tattoos add up. Because in Prisoner of Azkaban, he has a shit ton of tattoos. Yeah. And I feel like he gets less the farther we go on in the story. Well, maybe wizard tattoos move. Hey. That could be. That's a that's a good retcon. <laughs> um, but yet, you know, the reason this one is my favorite is because from almost the beginning of this, uh, you know, I and I think most people's like, man, I want Voldemort and Dumbledore to have a fight with their wands, and yep. I want it to be fucking cool. Yep. And in this movie, they have a fight with their wands, and it's fucking cool. It's really yeah. fucking cool. That's a good point. Yeah, that's usually my selling point for this one. I, you know, I will say this one as as much as I don't know if it, I, I don't know if it contributes to your enjoyment of the film, but it's the best villain in the Harry Potter series, and uh, the actress who plays Dolores Umbridge 
is is just despicable you know she is she is the worst even Voldemort there's some like sympathy for the Malfoys there's some sympathy for for her it's just it just feels so good to hate her I know it absolutely does and that actress like that actress does such a good job that if I ever met her I would have a hard time not wanting to hit her even though I understand (laughs) that she is not that person 100 percent what Every time, everything I see her in, that's not this. She's always like a sweetheart. Like she's super nice in every other thing. But Dolores just infects every other part she's in, and I automatically hate her. For sure. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, she might be a top ten villain for me. She's she's very good slash awful. Yeah. Well, and she's just it's just such a well Dolores is such a well-crafted villain in in that mm. she's so easily hateable. She has no motivation to be as evil as she is other than she enjoys it. Right. And <laughs> yeah, I think the, she's just a sadist. That's it. Yeah, that's all. And it's just this unanimous hate. There is no feeling sorry for her whatsoever. And they capture it really well in the film. It's weird to say something that everyone mutually hates, but it, it it's enjoyable to watch and it's enjoyable to just hate her you know, like a community hate of Dolores right. that we all right. share. Right. I also think, you know, this, this movie introduces elements that will, uh, as we get further down the line, the, the, the end game pieces get more frequent and obvious, I think. Um, but, you know, we introduced the room of requirement, um, I think for the first time in this movie. Um, oh yeah. Harry makes out for the first time in this one. Him and Cho Chang. Yep. Oh, yeah. He discovers tongues. <laughs> Uh, and this is also kind of where we establish like Harry as a leader of his peers as, as like kind of accepting the mantle of the, you know, the chosen one that's been thrust upon, upon him. And, and I mean that, that whole forming of the team part is really good too. You know, you not only have the grown up order of the Phoenix, but the, the like teens deciding, Hey, we can't just, we can't just wait for shit to happen to us. We've got to do something is, you know, one of the cooler parts in all of the books and the movies too. Yeah, I think Order of the Phoenix in a lot of ways is kind of a closure of the things that came before and Mm -hmm. then a setup for the second half of the story. So, Mm -hmm. like, whatever, and and even to the Dumbledore not telling Harry crap. Like, it's just, hey, there was this thing where Voldemort kept trying to come back to life and he's trying to kill you and, oh, okay, now he's back. That's all over. Here is what's going to have to happen in the future. There's the order of Phoenix. There's new order of Phoenix. You're hunting ways to kill him. Like it's just, here's the prophecy. You're the chosen one. Like it's just a kind of like a end of act one, beginning of act two moment. Uh, This is also the one where new Dumbledore really proves his worth. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, For sure. In the other two, but in this one, he's really, really good, particularly in that battle scene. And the, phoenix escape scene which is dope yeah, and the phoenix escape scene which is great yeah yeah kingsley's got a great line there he's like uh, i know you hate him minister but he's got stuff <laughs> uh yeah you know i will say for i think the most fucked up part of this movie is that uh hagrid's got his brother chained up in the woods yeah yeah uh yeah. and i also just feel like for the amount of like dangerous plot fucking devices that are in the forbidden forest i'm not like for deforestation as a whole but that that <laughs> area might be a better parking lot than what it is now. 100%. Yeah. So on to Half-Blood Prince. Half-Blood Prince, my favorite one. Jehu, is that right? Is this... This one is my least favorite one. I knew it. I knew it. It drives me nuts. So explain that to me. Okay, part of it is 
is the book that this is based on is my favorite of the books. Mm. And I don't think they do a good job of nailing it at all. This is, you know, uh, the Snape book. And, uh, and you know, as I mentioned in the last episode, I am contractually obliged to root for Snape. Uh, you know, it's Sarah's favorite fictional character. And, uh, man, Snape is barely even in this movie. And a lot of the cool backstory stuff, they don't even touch on in this. It kind of shows up later in, in part two of seven, but it, this movie could have used it. And probably, but probably my biggest complaint in this movie is just a lot of close-ups of teenagers looking sad. <laughs> like, it, it, it could have a Sarah McLaughlin soundtrack run the whole fucking time. I, I think that whoever directed the first Twilight movie saw this and thought, that's how you make a fucking movie. <laughs> they might have. Um, so I actually really like this movie. It's it is. I, I don't know. After this rewatch, normally before the rewatch, I would say it's my favorite. But after this rewatch, I, I had a different. I one I enjoyed more. Um, but what I do like, and this is my favorite book. And the reason why I feel like I can say this movie is good, and the, the book is, I, it's my favorite book, is I really separate them um, because you're right, Jehu. It leaves so much out and so much of it that is very important. And it does try to make up some ground in Deathly Hallows. But I think when they made the decision to not go into Padfoot and Prongs and Harry's parents, then the story they set up, if they had done it now, it wouldn't be the payoff that it is in the book. Um, Right. It wouldn't. Uh, and so based on what they had done in previous films, I think this movie tells the same story in a different fashion. And while I may enjoy it more as the book, I think what they do works as a film. I really, really like this movie mostly because I really like the performances of uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione. I think mm. all three of them are really strong in this film. The irony is apparently Daniel Radcliffe hates this performance the most. Uh, because this was like when he was like really in the throes of having like alcohol abuse problems. Uh, but I also agree. I also think this is one of his best performances. I mean, his kissing Ginny is really awkward. Like the way they <laughs> yeah, they're kiss terrible is kissers. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, there's no chemistry between the two of them. No. Uh, also, in this one, Harry decides I'm just gonna have shitty uh, hair for the rest of the run. I'm gonna have a dumb haircut <laughs> for the rest of the run, and he does that. <laughs> I think the things that I like about this one so much is first off, this is like, this is when we get deep into like Dumbledore, the chess player, you know, um, where he's just, he's manipulating everybody all the time, uh, recruiting Slughorn at the beginning uh, is beautiful. Cause one, you're manipulating, obviously you're, you're trying to bring Slughorn back by, you know, showing off your prize goods, but he's also manipulating Harry, but kind of like bringing him into the fold and making him feel included, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I just think, you know, that and then coupled into the, you know, much later in, in the, the movie, uh, recruiting him to, to go and track down the Horcrux and all that kind of stuff. It's just, this is the most Dumbledore movie. <laughs> I mean, it's this last one. Uh, but this is where we, I feel like we really see that character closest to what he is. Is Dumbledore a bad guy? I mean, kind of. He's not like a good guy. He's definitely not a great guy. I think, yeah, I guess that's better. He's not a great guy. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's a pragmatic guy who wants to be a good guy. 
I think he's a I think he's a greater good guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I I feel like uh Dumbledore that like first time Cassian Andor shows up in Rogue One is the entire plot of Dumbledore across all of these things. <laughs> right. Like he's like I'm going to get the job done and he's just going to do it in a sweeter package. Right. Um so I'm not I'm not ready to say Dumbledore is a I think he wants good. I don't know that he is good. Right. Right. And I think uh, that, like you're saying, Joseph, this is the movie that really shows that off. Right. And yeah, like, yeah, like you said, I think, I think this is one of the most fun ones for all the, once, once all the kiddos are now like pr- functionally, practically adults or almost adults, they get better at acting as a whole. I think I really like, I like Harry, uh, like leaning into the chosen one thing and like kind of getting cozy in it. You know, the, there's a bit where Dumbledore's like, I'll bet you're wondering why I brought you here, Harry. And he's like, I, I just don't worry about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Hermi- later on, Hermione's like, that girl only wants to snog you because she thinks you're the chosen one. And he goes, but I am the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> I do uh, think this movie kind of uh, does hint, at least the first half of it, does remind us that Hogwarts is fun again. Like, Right, I agree. Yeah. Well, and, and the whole, uh, the whole, what is the, the uh, Felix, whatever it is? the Felix Felicis? Yeah, that one. That whole sequence is super fun. Yeah, the way he interacts with Slughorn in that scene is so great. And, uh... Then come on, Professor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, for a, a book that's ostensibly about Snape, uh, you know, I think they lean really hard into the red herring aspect, trying to convince you that the Half-Blood Prince is Tom Riddle. But I still think there's some great Snape moments in it. Like the, the you know, I, I tell you guys all the time, but if you haven't seen this movie, I will watch this whole movie for the scene where Harry's confronting McGonagall and, and Snape trying to convince them that Draco was the one that cursed whoever that girl was. And Snape goes, what evidence do you have to provide, Potter? And, Potter, and Harry Potter says, I just know. And, and I, I can't do it. I cannot do it. It's literally impossible. But he- it was Malfoy. That is a very serious accusation, Potter. Indeed. Your evidence? I just know. You just know. He's he so slow. You just know in, in with a space between just and no that like literally you like three seconds fit between. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful, it's so beautiful work. <laughs> right. I, I, I do think he was thinking this will be the one they remember me for. This pause <laughs> right here. And it is. Yeah. I think about yeah. it often. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like the sequence at the very end, you know, with with the the running into Harry under the under the the platform there, and uh, you know, actually killing. I don't know. There's like there's just like a lot of great moments where once you know the context of the character, I think he, you know, Alan Rickman does a great job in those scenes, conveying a lot with not a lot of actual dialogue. Yeah, I just I don't know that they but, necessarily earn the payoff. Kind of to what Jay was talking about, like they just don't give enough into the details to to earn that ending and why it's so shocking and crazy and yeah yeah i mean it literally he says i'm the half-blood prince and you're like you're not even in this movie <laughs> like you've basically cameoed up under this part yeah still better than transformers yeah I, I mean yeah it's better all these movies are better than Transformers. also we're ignoring the bit where dumbledore does the giant firewall and in, in, in the hunting the, the whole hunt for the horcrux in the in that uh 
like you know off the cape in the boat and all of that is fucking great it's yeah that is good shit uh yeah this is my favorite one I, I won't apologize for it i think this is objective this is objectively for me the most fun the only problem i have with that scene is and again it's not something that's really ever dawned on me until this rewatch and i don't know why is you know you find out the story of the horcruxes and you really get into tom riddle's like the deaths and things that each horcrux was and the history behind each one and i thought to myself a group of children cannot climb down those rocks and get into that (laughs) that can't happen Uh Uh, but i mean whatever who cares it (laughs) looks cool cool, exactly yeah so so deathly hallows part one so i want to say something here because i want to i want to before we go into each one specifically I did realize Deathly Hallows Part 1 and Part 2, for me, are a good uh, exercise in the difference between objective truth and subjective truth. Okay. Objectively, <laughs> Deathly Hallows Part 1 is a better film. Subjectively, Deathly Hallows Part 2 is the most fun I ever have watching a movie. Yeah. I super yeah. dig that. I, I also think Deathly Hallows Part 2 is the blueprint for Avengers Endgame. It, it was where you can show, oh, yeah, you can do, like, an hour and a half battle scene and that's just a movie and it works and it works works both times Uh (laughs) yeah it works both times Uh, so part one they fuck in a tent (laughs) the (laughs) The inspir oh hurt you muted yourself and i know you want to talk about tent fucking oh yeah i was just saying the whole i think the whole reason we even decided to do this is because we wanted to drive on the point that harry and hermione definitely have lots of sex in the tent (laughs) agreed agreed super agreed and mind you I think that's good for Hermione and Ron's relationship. You know, she got it out of her system. She realized, you know, Harry's probably better at fucking, but at the end of the day, this guy's probably going to be a mess his whole life. He has, he's had the weirdest, most fucked up life his whole fucking life. Everyone he's uh, related to is dead. You know, this will be good for a while, but Harry's never going to have a 401k. <laughs> you know, the, like, like, you know, Ron, granted he comes from a poor family, but that's because they have like 14 fucking children. If, you know, they can keep that under, uh, under wraps, Ron can probably earn a pretty good living. <laughs> Ron's a stay-at-home dad in this relationship. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It did also, it's also set up for the second one, fucking in the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> right. Uh, what, uh, I, I can't even remember how this one starts. Uh, it's with flu. Oh, well, it starts with saving Harry and Mad Eye dies and Voldemort. Right, attacks that's right. And, I love that. It opening. starts with Hedwig dying. Those motherfuckers. I know it. I know Dobby. I know Dobby is the bit that gets most people, but Hedwig dying is the one that that affects me the most. I the line that Hedwig, so Hedwig gave him away. Yeah. yeah, you don't see it. The Hedwig gave it away breaks my heart every time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, in the first scene, we're gonna kill your beloved pet. That is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is mean spirited. We're setting the stakes, man. We're, we're starting with the end of Old Yeller. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's just, I mean, it's kind of a beautiful moment in that, like, Hagrid is the one that gave Harry Hedwig, and it is this moment that, that Harry has with Hagrid in the same motorcycle he delivered him to the Dursleys with, that Hedwig's journey kind of comes to an end, and, like, it's really I mean, it's a sad ending, but it, it really, the whole, the whole story was building to that moment for Hedwig. And it's, but it's, man, it's sad. It's just heartbreaking to see. It is. Yeah. 
And I think it also sets the tone that like these next two movies are going to be a bloodbath. Get out your Kleenex. Right. Yeah. For sure. We also meet Bill Nighy, who's been apparently wanted to be in these movies for a long time before he actually got to be in them. <laughs> really? Uh, so, so at least he got a little cameo. It is very brief. It is very brief. These uh, are dark times. God, I, I love, I just, I want him to read me a story every night. He could have so been good. a good Dumbledore. No, he could have been. I, I, I thought think, that too. I think he wanted yeah. to be Dumbledore. Yeah. I think he, he wanted to be that. I think he wanted to be uh, the previous Minister of Magic. I can't remember. There were a couple of things that he was like vying for. But yeah, the, which, which Weasley is it that gets married? Uh, Bill? Bill. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, there's the wedding. We never meet Charlie in these movies. No. And where does Percy go after like the second movie? Do we ever see Percy again? He's in the background. In the books, you know what happens to Percy. He goes and works on the Minister of Magic and, you know, becomes like a Dolores type character. You hate his guts. But they never touch it in the movies. They never go into the Percy crap. And then he just shows up kind of back in this film. Yep. Right. But yeah, then uh, the, our, then they our, go on the run. Our three leads. Yeah. You know, go on the run. Fuck, fuck Hogwarts. Fuck school. This ain't no normal world anymore. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're out hunting Horcruxes, even though they have absolutely no idea how to do that. Right. Uh, so that just cracks me up because especially in like the wizarding world, there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, leisure time activities, you know, like these people right. aren't watching Netflix. They don't have their Game Boy out. Uh, right. And it just seems like they're just wandering around a lot and then just like sitting and thinking a lot. So I imagine there was a lot of time for tent fucking. Right. Well, isn't it also supposed to be like 1997? So yeah. like it was before we had all that shit anyway. Hey, Game so. Boy Color was still around. There you go. Everyone's playing Pokemon Blue. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you could waste a lot of time in the woods in a tent with Pokemon. You could. Very true. Um, it, it's. I know this one is like a really well-made film. Uh, and I do like, I like it a whole lot. I think it's pretty good. But it's just like, when you know what's coming in Deathly Hallows Part 2, like, all I'm like, I just got to get through it. Got to get to yeah, Part yeah, 2. Yeah. Gotta get... right. All right, we, we got Xenophilius Lovegood. Okay, let's go. Keep going. Let's get through this. Um, but I think they give really good acting performances. I think Ron is really good in this movie. Mm. I think he's probably the best of the three. I didn't probably Harry. Like, uh, this may have been where we started to notice Emma Watson wasn't as good as we thought she was. For sure. You got to look past the pretty veneer and see the lack of acting talent. Yeah, I mean, I, I, in general... I, I completely agree with what you're saying in the sense that like, I like that these movies had time to slow down. Cause a lot of these, you know, book to movie adaptations, not just Harry Potter, just in general is you just have so many plot points to hit. You don't have time to do anything else besides hit the important plot points. And so like, I love, I love the Harry and Hermione dancing at the tent and like visiting the graveyard and all these things where you just like, you have a couple of moments between the scenes that are like getting you to the next thing where you get to like sit with these characters for a bit, but it is hard once when you know what's coming that you just want to, you want to hurry up and get to it. You talk about going to the grave, like the pit in Godric's hollow. That kind of reminds me that this movie doesn't do is all the Dumbledore stuff that you get in the book, which now thinking about is such a big mistake because you want me to care about fantastic beast. Give me that information. Like I care about seeing Grindelwald, because of who I know Grindelwald to be because of Deathly Hallows. Um, the movies don't, they kind of do that. You get the whole, like, be sure you even know him, boy, line. But 
I don't know. I feel like they're really missing out on maybe just because it's all exposition, but right. the Dumbledore backstory and why it's important. And I don't know. A one hundred percent agree on that. One hundred percent agree. Yeah, they they if they would have talked more about that, they must have really thought when they were done with this. It's like, man, we're done making this movies because yeah, they could have put a little more set up for the next thing with this. Hmm. Uh, the anim- uh, animated part for Holy the Deathly Hallows is fuck, so it's great. so beautiful. It's mm. so fucking gorgeous. I don't know what one animated short that year, but this should have won because right. it's, it's like it. They didn't need to make it look that pretty for, you know, just an interlude story in the middle of this fucking live action series, but they fucking did. And I appreciate it. Yeah, it's real good. That's all I have. I think that's about all I got for this. Definitely this one, you know, was a good adaptation of the first half of this book, which was, which was the most Lord of the Ringsy of all the, mm. of all of them. You know, there's a whole lot of walking and, being or traveling and being tired and wanting to give up and that sort of thing. So yeah, it was, I mean, again, it's, it's not very fun, but it does a good job of sitting up for the next thing. Do we think this movie pays off the Regulus black twist twist? No. Yeah. No. Nah. It kind of is just like a forgotten detail at some yeah. point in this movie. But yeah, that Deathly Hallows part one. Still better than Transformers. It's still a really good movie. Yeah, no, again, I think this might be the most well-made of all of them. Mm. I think it's really tight all the way across. It's just not the most enjoyable to watch. That would be the second one, which is all awesome, the whole thing. (laughs) Right, yeah, totally. Yeah, basically, you could, I could do all my comments on this, which is, it's really cool when blank does blank, and it's really (laughs) sad when blank dies. That's basically everything I have to say about this. You get a cool blind dragon. Yeah. Uh, you get breaking into Gringotts. I think the Harry reveal back at Hogwarts is so fucking great. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, it is really good. I mean, both with him coming through the tunnel and like being in the room of requirement and everyone just being really excited to see him, I think that's a great moment. But the moment in the hall with Snape, man, and McGonagall kicking some ass, like uh-huh. it's all great. Every moment's great. And then, of course, there to the end, it's just like nonstop wizard fights which is all i want to see <laughs> right hey. I, w- I will say i feel like the room of requirement is just uh a writer's best friend i don't know how to how to connect to these things room of requirement it's just what we needed yeah. how was the room of requirement like as far back as it was in harry potter but it took them so long to do the fucking danger room in any x-men movie <laughs> yeah because they're the same That's thing true. right mm-hmm one thing this one confirms, I thought I had pretty early on in these books and movies, is that Slytherin just exists for profiling purposes. For sure, right? <laughs> like, like, I feel like I would have enjoyed it if they would have made one friend from Slytherin. I guess Slughorn was kind of that, but he was still kind of a slimy dude. You know, it just it it definitely seems like, oh, this house just exists. So if you're in this house, you know that this person's a bad guy. Yeah, I think Dumbledore should have been a Slytherin. I mean, I actually I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, you know, I I went on this rant when I watched it. Uh, and I forgot to go on this rant when we did our episode on it. But Dumbledore's bullshit with the points at the end of one are one of the reasons I imagine Slytherin's so fucking evil. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if everyone's just gonna screw us over because they think we're evil anyway, we might as well fucking be more evil. That that is the end of that first movie is so fucked up. It is just so bitchy. Like, yeah, it absolutely is. 
why is there such a wide ranging effect of Expelliarmus in these, in these right. movies? <laughs> Sometimes the wand just goes flying. Other times it knocks a dude out. Like it's such a weird spell. Sometimes it's like a boomerang spell and the wand comes back to the person. Right. Yeah. 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 What, what else is great in this movie? All of it. Of course, the Snape scene is the best. It's just the best moment. I mean, it's right. just, yeah, no, it's, totally. so, so it's so good. heartrending. Mm. Yeah. He's like crying and he's like, take him. Take yeah, it. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm bawling my eyes out. Like for the hundredth time I've watched this, it <laughs> hits every time. Alan Rickman, God, rest in peace. Uh, he's so there's great. You. Yeah. I'm curious, in the books, is there more on Aberforth besides what we get in the movie? There's just more in general about Dumbledore and Dumbledore's past. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, while you may not get more, I mean, you do get a bit more of Aberforth in the present, but it sets up more of, him as a character and why he's bitter against Dumbledore other than did he ever talk about her? Did he ever talk about me? Like there's so much more than that. Right. Um, that it just doesn't pay off. Yeah. I, I felt that but, same hey, way. They got, what's his face in it? You know, Seer and Hines. Seer and Hines. Hey, yeah. that guy's in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I felt that way just because I was like, uh, you know, I, I felt like you were setting up for something and then, yeah, there's just, I guess you kind of elucidate some of it with the Snape flashback, but you don't really get, a lot of details on that and and the bit at the wedding are the only two times where they kind of hint is oh maybe there's more to Dumbledore, Dumbledore under the surface that you don't know about Harry and then they don't really delve any deeper yeah that is still all a better twist than there's a secret Dumbledore we never knew about that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> oh, man God. is that movie even being made since like know. half of the cast has been canceled uh, I think they were in filming before COVID started, and I think they're about to start back up now that, okay. I, you know, in most countries, COVID is on the decline. Uh, what, else is, what else is worth talking about in this movie? It's got to be hard to be a Voldemort supporter. I get he's fucking scary, like, in person. <laughs> but, like, that dude spends a lot of time trying to murder a kid who's not very good at magic uh, <laughs> and failing. <laughs> like, it's got to be hard. To, like, you know, I, I remember rewatching it these movies thinking i don't understand how draco has any friends because all he does is lose the closest thing he has to a victory is in um half-blood prince where he catches harry spying on him and beats him up in the train but nobody's there to see it otherwise everyone just watches him lose all the goddamn time (laughs) and then i realize it's the same fucking thing with voldemort (laughs) you know i actually do really like that scene for draco because it is such an evolution of his character that his priorities have changed because second year draco would be bragging the fuck out about that you know i just beat the shit out of harry potter on that train (laughs) right yeah one thing i don't like that this movie does do actually both of these films is then it started the trend of the final movie in the series needs to be in two parts right it works for this it does not need to happen for twilight or hunger games no that's absolutely true it was a it was a bold decision at the time, and yeah, it, it set it set a bad precedent. I think particularly for Hunger Games, it killed that shit because the first one's not great, but the second one's a pretty good movie. And then any goodwill they built off that one is just killed by splitting the third part into two parts. Yeah, and I actually think this is the motivation Peter Jackson had for making three Hobbit films when he could have made one. Potentially, yeah. Has anybody, has any fan ever made a fan edit of the Hobbit films that's just the Hobbit? Because I want somebody to do that. Someone more talented. Just uh, cut out so, all the bullshit and just make it the Hobbit. I mean, supposedly, didn't, uh, didn't What's-His-Face do that? It uh, sounds Eric, like something Topher Grace Yeah, do. I was going to say Eric <laughs> Foreman. Topher Grace, I think, did that on the set of uh, Black Klansman. Uh, oh. 
cut cut the three movies into like a two hour movie. Oh well, man, he should he should find a way to make that available. To uh, for sure, I agree. Like PVP, he did it that, for, man. He did it for the prequels too, and apparently it's like great. But like seven people have seen it. It's off topic. Joseph, you had a yeah. couple more things you wanted to talk. I about. don't have a lot to talk about. I really enjoy the after Harry dies bit. Uh, the super awkward Voldemort's like victory speech and the Draco hug, which apparently was improvised. It's it's just, it's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful <laughs> moment of like, you know, you see that Voldemort has won. And then you like, it's the moment to me anyway, where you, you like consider what would the world look like if Voldemort like ruled over the wizarding world? And that's what it would look like. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do like after Harry dies, committing to calling him Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, there is a realization Harry has at this moment. You know, in the beginning, it's, I'm going to call him Voldemort. Everyone else is scared to say his name. But at that point, it's the realization, I'm not going to give him what he wants. He right. wants to be called Voldemort. I'm going to call him by his real name, Tom. And I think that's like a, that's like a big dick energy move by Harry, <laughs> that and I appreciate is, that it. It is, totally, yeah. For sure. Which, which death bums you guys out the most? There's so many to choose from. Ooh... I mean, it's it's got to be the Weasley. I don't remember which Weasley it is. Yeah, I, I I think I think most people say that, but I really think it for me it's Lupus and Tonks. Oh yeah, no, they're, they're the they're the objectively saddest one. Yeah, because it's just it's just like you you don't even they're just dead, you know. Yeah, I mean we've we've essentially just started the Harry Potter story over again. <laughs> right. What's the name of Ron's girlfriend in in Half Blood Prince? Oh, is she, she killed only- this? She, they don't even address it. Okay. Her dead body is just lying on the ground. That's <laughs> you, what makes she, me... My wife has better eyes than I do because she saw that shit and she's like, is that Ron's girlfriend's like, probably not. They probably would pay more attention to that. Uh, but I guess it was. <laughs> Lavender Brown. It's Lavender Brown. Oh. That's her name. Yeah, and she's just dead on the ground and no one gives a shit. And I feel sorry for her and her family. Yep. Did she die in the books or was that just a case of the actress saying, hey, it would be cool if I died in this scene? I think Lavender does die in the book. Yeah. Definitely Remus and Tonks is the most sad because they leave their, you know, they have their son. But Yeah. Who not only has to live the world without his parents, he also has to grow up a werewolf. So, like, <laughs> he's really got the shit into the stick. Yeah, I guess it's because we don't have to watch a bunch of people. Not only do we, like, like the Weasley twins, but we don't have to watch a bunch of people who love them mourn about it, you know, yeah. with, with Lupin right. and, and, uh, and Tonks. Yeah. Also, on, on the note of watching with my wife, the moment that Neville chops Nagini in half, I turn to my left to look at her, and she's like, I know Neville's the chosen one. <laughs> and it was great. It was the best moment of my life. Well, you know, I, I, think, the, I think I really like Neville in this because he's not the chosen one. Because, and we, you know, when, when Harry's dead, he's the guy that's like, well, who gives a fuck? We still got to win this shit. Right. You know? He's the chosen one. Yeah. 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 All these movies are worth a watch. Everyone should watch them. Yeah, they're I all better. I wanted to watch them again after finishing. And, and yeah, I mean, for a story that's as, I mean, to make any of them as successful as they were with a series that was already so popular and beloved, you know, it's tough to adapt things that, that people are, have already like, you know, established images and, and, you know, their own opinions about how it looks in their minds. Um, so to do that consistently for so many, and then, yeah, to stick the landing, which I think they yeah. really do. Uh, it's really fucking impressive. I think these whole eight movies are a, a feat of cinema that uh, we probably won't see accomplished that many more times in our lifetime. Yeah. 
the probably the only thing comparable was the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and then that got ruined by the Hobbit trilogy. Yeah. So, <laughs> but Harry Potter is kind of being tainted by the Fantastic Beast series. So it's not like it's been a perfect run since. Just ignore those. It's fine. It's hard. I, it's hard. I still think they can pull it out. I like, you know, I, I'm reverse of you guys. I I I like the second one better than the first. I know neither of them are are great, but I, I you know. I, I still think they might pull it. You out. like the second one better than the first? I do. Holy fuck! Have I we not talked about June, this on the podcast? We've done a review on it. Oh, uh, we've talked about it on the, the the main reason I the main thing I hate about the first one is the twist in this movie is a celebrity, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? When he turns into Grindelwald, we don't know what Grindelwald looks like. We're just like, oh shit, there's Johnny Depp. See, I just my my biggest problem in that one is once he turns into Johnny Depp, I'm like, this is the guy that Dumbledore wants to fuck, <laughs> you know? I I would have been if it was Colin more Farrell, I'd get it. I wish they would have just stuck with Colin Farrell. At this point, I bet they do too. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure, positive that they do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, watch these movies. Anytime you think about watching the Fantastic Beasts, don't just rewatch these whole eight movies. <laughs> <laughs> and they're on TV right now. So. Yeah. It's easy. Uh, but yeah, I think that's, uh, that's Harry Potter. Unless we got anything else? Nope. Harry Potter and the whole damn thing. We'll come back in 20 years when they make that stage play into a movie. For sure. Uh, I will say, I think they should make an animated series out of these books. I think that would be really fun. I think particularly if it, if it was like hand-drawn animation. I was going to say yeah. particularly if it's a fucking anime. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anime I, want would be a, dope. I want a Japanese anime of Harry Potter. Uh, you know how insufferable Order of the Phoenix would be as an anime? <laughs> and it be a real be shouting. Awful. <laughs> awful. Uh. Well, also, the exposition recaps that are in anime where people screen things that have already happened, that would they could really turn that up 11 to 11 in the Harry Potter universe. We'd hear, you killed my parents so much. <laughs> right, Jake. I'm super down with this. Just just one season per book. I'm, I'm game. <laughs> yeah. I'm there. Yeah, for sure. All right. All Let's right. Let's move on. Uh, so, yeah, that's Harry Potter. Uh, thanks to friend of the podcast and loyal listener, uh, Rick, who texted me this week, said he was rewatching the series because we were doing it. Appreciate you, buddy. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we did. But that's it. What have we been watching this past week, guys? Uh, I did not watch much. I am real close to being done with Legend of Korra. I have like four episodes left. Uh, I like it. I like that show a whole. Uh, I like that show a whole lot. Um, in, in some ways, I like it more than. Don't you Avatar. fucking say I that? I do. You are listen to me. I said crazy. I said in some ways. <laughs> Calm down. That's. I like the characters more. Uh, I just think they're they aged up and they're more adult problems. I connect with more. Yeah, you like but Mako? Re- is is Mako a really fucking compelling character to you? Mako is fine. Get the uh, fuck out of here. I do th- the story in Avatar is better. I do I do miss the fact that there's not this list like one overarching villain, and it's all a build up to that. I don't like like villain of the season stories, um, and they're all interesting. They're just not as good as like the impending threat of the Fire Lord and Sozin's comet timetable that Aang has to deal with. I think that really drives the plot. Uh, I just think it's a I just think Core is a tighter show, and that the episodes. Uh, the seasons are shorter and you get to things quicker. And, and I appreciate that. Um, episode two to hard knocks, kind of boring. If there were only two episodes left, I don't know that I would keep watching. Uh, I mean, that and, is uh, kind of the beauty of hard knocks is there's not very many episodes. Yeah. 
And then episode two of Lovecraft Country, I don't want to talk on too much. I don't know if you guys have started watching this yet, but I did want to say one thing about it. After talking to you, Hurt, last week, I did kind of have a realization and maybe I misunderstood. I'm going to say misunderstanding the show, but I think there is a point that we kind of hinted on and I think the show is intentional, which it kind of asked the question of, can you separate a content from its creator? Mm. Um, right. Because there is a, a line in there about, you know, this guy's black dude in the, I, I'm assuming the 20s. No, he was in Korea. So it's the late, it's the mid 50s. And he, you know, basically said he wasn't allowed to read Lovecraft growing up. Anytime his dad saw it, you know, he made it put it down. But he loves science fiction and he loves horror. And so it, it I do kind of wonder if that is the point of the show. Uh, apparently right. it's a book I I would be curious to read um, is, you know, can you, can you enjoy things? Can you separate or is it all just tied into one thing? And I don't know that there is an answer. I'll be curious to see how the, the show handles that. Um, but I have no fucking clue what this show is about. This episode <laughs> ended in a way I did not anticipate at all. And I have no clue how they're going to go forward with it. Um, it's strange, but uh, all three leads are really good. And they're all super attractive people. Everyone in this show is incredibly handsome. Uh, it is really like aesthetically pleasing to look at. Like <laughs> the cars are, the cars are cool. The buildings are cool. Um, the racism is very painful to watch. It's you, very I, realistic. Oh, I really thought you were going to say the racism is cool, and I was really. <laughs> I set it up that way. I did it. I did it on purpose. Uh, but yeah, no. I recommend it. I just don't, I don't know what, I don't even know if I like it yet. I'm only two yeah. episodes in, but I'm curious to keep going. That's all I watched. Cool. I thought you were going to talk about the Batman trailer. I decided to take it seriously. If you want to talk about the Batman trailer, I'd glad to talk well, it with you. Well, I didn't, yeah, I didn't watch, you know, I, I, I didn't uh, watch much of anything this week, but I did watch all the DC fandom stuff. And, uh, you know, I was really excited for all this shit to suck. So I could say more like, DC fan don't, but it was actually all pretty fun. Uh, you know, uh, I would go more with DC fan dope. I really liked the shit from Suicide Squad. That movie yeah. looks great. Uh, you know, I may sexually identify as the uh, Suicide Squad poster. Uh, <laughs> John Cena in the Peacemaker outfit is maybe my favorite thing in recorded history. It's really it's great. so dumb and awesome. Uh, the, uh, I just want to say uh, two two questions. Number one, do we like that the Harley Quinn look for Suicide Squad? And then number two, Jehu, what did you think of the format? Did you like watch it as it was actually like airing? No, I didn't. I've watched like recap oh. videos on the mm. internet. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I like the outfit a lot. I like that you know it incorporates like the old school uh, the uh, old school pants with the you know, card symbols on them and stuff like that. I, I like it better than the outfit in the first one, definitely. Also, definitely yeah, seems I, to be course correcting for the booty shorts. Right, right, right. There was a, a presence of Batman the Animated Series in both the Suicide Squad for Harley Quinn and with the, the Batman trailer, I found. Mm. Uh, yeah. And that spoke to me dearly. Um, I did watch some of DC Fandome on Saturday. And you know what? It worked pretty well. It was kind of like gas station TV, honestly, but like for nerds. And uh, it wasn't terrible. That's great. That's a, that's, a, that's a good way of explaining it. That is a great way of explaining it. 
Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, we got we got a lot of we got the the Batman trailer, we got the Suicide Squad trailer. Um, well, what did you guys think of the Batman trailer? I think it's really impressive when you take into consideration they've only been shooting for seven weeks. They were able to cut a trailer that cool. Colin Farrell's Penguin, unrecognizable. Yep, right. Um, I still am not excited for the super gritty, right, young Batman. Like that part still whatever but i am excited we're getting a riddler villain court of owls reference in there um i don't know i'm, I'm i am looking forward to it i, I thought it, yeah. a lot of it looked a little too much like the nolan movies and the nolan movies are great but why are we doing that again right You're yeah, yeah. Do a better version of that i mean the what the the stairwell that he like grapples up through is that the same stairwell that uh, Christian Bale dropped down in Batman Begins. It sure looks like <laughs> it. Uh, you know, the scene where Commissioner Gordon's giving a, uh, the like sort of uh, press conference thing in the rain there, that sure like looked like a scene from one of the Nolan movies. That being said, I'm really into Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. Uh, I'm, that's probably the part of this movie I'm most into. Uh, it's going to take me a while to get here, but this will describe my level of excitement about this movie. Or about it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be your weekly reviews if we didn't take a winding path through some obscure cultural <laughs> reference. Okay, uh, this one really will. So, <laughs> I, you know, I talked to one of my friends who's way more into Batman and about this, and we were talking about it, and you know, we were kind of making fun of that when he takes off his mask, he looks like the crow, and then we went down some path of basically that about the crow soundtrack and how it was weird that the Rollins band covered the song Ghost Rider, which is about the superhero Ghost Rider in the movie The Crow, which has <laughs> nothing to do with Ghost Rider. And basically that's how exciting this trailer was for me, that I was more excited about talking uh, about, a, uh, a, about a fucking soundtrack from 25 years ago. You know, what I have discovered through the internet, I think, is that people really like the brutality aspect of Batman. Mm -hmm. And that's not what I like about Batman. Right. right. And so I, I, I like two things. I like the detective portion, which we really haven't gotten in films. And I, from everything Matt Reeves says, it does sound like we're really going to get like detective Batman. But I also like campy Batman. I like a giant penny and a Tyrannosaurus Rex in the Batcave. Like I like a car that doesn't make sense. I like the boy wonder. Like, but that doesn't seem to be the pulse of the audience at large. So I think that's why we're avoiding it. But that's what I would like to see in this movie looks the exact opposite of those things. That, that's why I really wish Affleck would have worked out is because I feel like where he was an older Batman, you could have just brought a, stop, a lot of that stuff in without explaining it. Yeah. Hey, he's yeah. coming back, apparently. Uh, yeah. That was, the, that was the other I'm, big I'm pretty thing. excited about that. Uh, yeah. You know, we talked about it in text, but I, I feel like it deserves mentioning on the uh, on the podcast. Oh wow, <laughs> he thought it deserved mentioning and then muted himself. What a dramatic mute! I know it. Am I, am I still muted? No, you're good. No, now you're talking. Okay. Where was I? I I was just I was uh, I was going to rag on Hallelujah and Justice League again. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh god, I knew there was another trailer. I'd already forgotten it. I had a lot to do at work, so I didn't have time, but I was going to make a top 10 list of songs that would have been better in that track. <laughs> uh, just because just about anything would have been better. You know, the Golden yeah. Girls theme would have been better. It was a really poor choice for, like, we talked about it. There are two big reasons why it's just very self-aware. 
um, both because it's like the return, hallelujah, Zack Snyder's back, and then two, his use of it in Watchmen, which uh, Patrick What's-His-Face commented on. Um, he just said, hey, I recognize that song. And, uh, but what I don't like, what's really annoyed me about it was the trailer leaked like really early and someone commented on it and Zach went after that and in, after that reporter and yeah, said I something saw like, that. This, is, this is a movie for adults. And then I saw later on, someone took a screenshot with Darkseid and they were like, yeah, this looks like a villain for adults. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. It cracked me up. Great commentary. I think the thing that really bums me out the most about it is every time the trailer starts, and I've watched it a few times, that that guitar tone at the very beginning is the same guitar tone as Love Hurts, and I think Love Hurts is going to start. And man, <laughs> would that be way more fun. It wouldn't be appropriate, but it would be so much more fun. Anything else from that's this week, Kurt? Yeah, okay. That's all I got. That was too much for me, honestly. <laughs> I'd only watched a couple things this week. I started a new anime called Dororo. So for those keeping track at home, which would be a real stretch if I'm honest with you, I have seen, I have seen animes called Dorarara, Dororo, and Dorohidoro, and they're all different things. <laughs> um, they all sound like you're having a stroke. They absolutely do, particularly in a row. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I, I was kind of positive on it starting out but it's gotten a little same it's kind of monster of the week the premise is you know it's one of those things where i was impressed with the third first episode after i tried to explain it to my wife because it conveys a lot of information to you that you just accept that is a lot to get across when you're trying to tell somebody about it so i'm not even going to try but it's it's as jason has mentioned in the past it's like the opposite of an elevator pitch uh <laughs> to explain the premise of this show but it there's a lot of fighting demons and shit uh but I'm almost done with it. It's only one season. It's on Amazon. Fuck it. You know, it's fine. It's better than Transformers. It's just not great. Uh, the other thing I watched this week is a movie I've been meaning to get to for a while, which is uh, The Assassination of Jesse James by the, the coward Robert Ford, which is made by the same guy who made Killing Them Softly, which I've been a big fan of. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie. It's, you know, about the assassination, assassination of Jesse James. Uh, right. And it seems like it'd be a Western, and everybody's dressed like it's a Western, but it's not really Western. Um, you know, it's I kind think that's of... exactly why I didn't watch it. I started watching it and it's like, this is just people in old clothes. Yeah, I mean, it definitely yeah. is that. Uh, that said, it's really fucking good. Like, every, the performances, it's, uh, it's Brad Pitt, who's, you know, in, in great form. Uh, Sam Rockwell, who is his usual Sam Rockwell quality, which is excellent, just to be clear. Um, and Casey Affleck, who, while I realize is super canceled, is really good in this movie. Uh, it's just, you know, it's well-paced, it's well-structured, it's just a super, like, tense, I mean, it's not like a thriller, I don't really know what to call it. it. I guess it's a drama, but it's just, every moment is so tense, you just feel like everybody could shoot anybody at any moment. And the cinematography is just fucking gorgeous. So, if you got two hours and 40 minutes... Uh, I was I was gonna ask how you made it through this because this is infamously long. It, right. you, you know, I had a long stretch of time on Saturday, and I knew decided I was gonna watch a long movie. And instead of watching one that was probably more culturally relevant, I watched this one. Right. Fair uh, enough. But it's uh, yeah, it, it's way better than Transformers. I would highly recommend it if you will have two hours and forty minutes to watch it. Uh, but that's it. Do All right. Have... What are we doing next week? Yep. That's the New question. New mutants. Are we though? Oh. 
But yeah, next week, maybe New Mutants, maybe something. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> right. uh, but thanks to everybody for listening. Please rate and subscribe. Tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, and thank you to everybody who's been listening uh, throughout this whole pandemic. You know, there's literally an infinite, comparatively to 1994, when Harry and Hermione just had each other's bodies to, uh, to entertain <laughs> themselves in their tent. There's a million things to entertain yourself with now. So if you're listening to this podcast, we appreciate that choice. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, tell us any other things about Harry Potter uh, that we missed, or if, if you really, really want us to do more Fantastic Beasts, which we still <laughs> probably won't, you can reach us at realphonies at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later. <laughs> <laughs>